Welcome to this episode of the Just Godcast. In this episode, we celebrate Easter as Dr. Rob describes the deeper implications of this Resurrection Sunday. A lot of times what happens is people talk about resurrection or they talk about Easter. And I was pastoring a church for 40 years. So I can tell you that 40 times I spoke about this subject. So how many times can you speak about Easter? I mean, even the Bible with its four gospels really only goes through Easter four times. But then the rest of the Bible, really in every one of the books, the New Testament books, it's talking about the resurrection of the Christ, the resurrection, the theology of hope. Interestingly enough, all throughout the Old Testament, the very same things were spoken of. Now, I want you to just sit back, relax, because today I want to take you on a small journey, and I want you to see something maybe a little bit different than normal. Now, here it was. The devil was having a yard sale, and and he had all of his tools out there on the yard that were for sale at different prices. They were huge prices. But now they were really sorry things that he was selling. He was selling pride. He was selling hatred. He was selling jealousy and deceit. He was selling all of these things. But there was one of the things he was selling that was more well-worn than any one of the other tools that were on sale. But when you look closely at this tool that was on the side, it was discouragement. Because with discouragement... He could stop anyone. It was labeled discouragement, and it was used over and over again. And it's true about life, that if hell could discourage you, your life is really going to be over. People that live in discouragement are ones that can't seem to make it past the difficult things in life. Discouragement. Discouragement. That tool is used inside of your life more than any other. How many people do you know that are optimists? And how many people do you know that are naturally pessimistic in nature? Well, the truth of the matter is that most people, most people are actually, um, they really are pessimists. But let me just ask you this question. Have you ever felt like your whole world is caving in around you? that no matter what you tried, it didn't seem to work. No matter how hard you put the time in that was necessary, it didn't seem to be happening. That inside your family, it just went from one failure to another failure. That your your family was a failure, your parents were failures, your grandparents were failures, and as far back as can be remembered, everyone was a failure. Now, I know that people think of those things because they think of the opposite just as well. When you see somebody that they were the first person in their whole family to ever go to college. Well, honestly, college really isn't that important anymore. You do not really need a formal education to be able to get the jobs that you really want to have in life. So have you ever felt like things were useless or you were useless? Well, Today, I want to show you something else. Cheer up. I've got some good news for you because there's hope for the hopeless. Me, 
I was hopeless. No matter what I seemed to do, I always failed. No matter where I seemed to go, I always seemed to be, you know, just what, like my dad used to say, used to use the term, a day late and a dollar short. That's the way it happened to me and about me. And I began to believe about that about myself when I spoke with other people. I began to see myself really as not quite good enough. I began to live my life in that dreaded word, the worst word in the worst experience anyone can ever have in life, one that is almost impossible to be able to heal without the power of God, and that is rejection. I was rejected time after time after time. But remember this, hope for humanity came to me in a mental institution. And hope for humanity can actually be summed up in just three short words. In the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 35, the Bible says these three words, they crucified him. Now, nothing would really matter. Jesus wouldn't be so different than so many other would-be saviors or Christs that have come throughout the years. There have been so many people that have actually proclaimed themselves as Christ. And even in the scriptures, you saw that, that the people, uh, the people actually said that Nero was God. Nero was God and he didn't give God any glory in the book of Acts chapter 17 and 18. He didn't give God any glory. And because that, the Bible said that right there, he was eaten with worms because he didn't give God glory. So there are so many Christs that come and they go. Now, understand this. Those that declare these truths do so in a convincingly ignorant way. They, they don't understand the crucifixion or the importance of the crucifixion. Nothing, as I said, would matter at all if Jesus was not raised up after this crucifixion. It all became true and real the moment that he was raised from the dead. Jesus even spoke to us about all of that in John chapter 2, verse 19. He said these words, he said, Jesus answered and said to them, he said, destroy this temple. And in three days, he said, I'll raise it up. That's when the Jews actually said 46 years they took to build this temple. And are you, gonna, are you going to actually destroy it in three days? Well, it didn't even really take that long by the time that it was over. But he spoke to them of the temple of his body. In verse 22, it says, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said these words. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, I want you to understand that the resurrection day is the day that you and I were set free from the prison of life. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, it says, And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain. And he said, And your faith also is in vain. If Christ isn't risen, then what about all of this? It doesn't really matter. We worship God because he was 
he raised up his son Jesus from the dead according to the scriptures. You see, unless we believe that Jesus was resurrected, it will forever be impossible to be believers and to ever walk in the will of God. So friends, to deny to deny the resurrection of Christ is to destroy the entire basis of the Christian faith. People say, well, you know, I believe in God, but I, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not so sure if I believe that he was resurrected from the dead. Well, friends, without you believing that Jesus was raised from the dead, you don't have any faith at all. You see, no matter what, no matter if, the teachings of Jesus are followed, but yet you don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, it doesn't mean anything. The Christian faith is built upon all the teaching of Jesus, and it is proven the moment that Jesus came back to life. So the resurrection, friends, is then foundational. Without it, the, the death of Christ becomes the heroic death of a misguided martyr. That's all he was. He was just misguided. If he wasn't the Christ, he was a misguided martyr. You know, the derelict death of a lunatic that was deranged if, in fact, that he was not the Christ. He died in vain. But inside of that, friends, you must know that with all of this, with all of this, it's that the proof of the resurrection is God's guarantee of man being accepted in God. That you and I have been forgiven. You and I have been made the righteousness of God. You and I in form have been healed of every disease because he took every disease. You and I have had all of our relationships come back together because Jesus was raised from the dead. He died. The last thing that Jesus faced in life, as I mentioned a moment ago, the worst thing of all was when you saw him on the cross and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Rejection. The first time in his whole life that he ever felt that God, his father, had turned his back on him. You see, the resurrection, once again, is guarantee that you and I have been accepted. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, you and I would not be accepted. In the book of Matthew 26, 39, he said this, and he went a little further. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went a little further and fell on his face, and he said to his father, he said, oh, my father, he said, if it be possible, he said, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. He said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. In the book of Psalms, speaking of the Christ in chapter 16, verse number 10, he said, for you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your holy one, to see corruption. So all of the, the prophetic utterances of all time have now 
are now culminating in Jesus. Everything that was ever said now comes to a person's mind and they go, now I see what all of this means. In the book of Romans chapter 4, verse number 25, the Bible tells us, he said, who was delivered on the account of our trespasses and he was raised when, 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 when we were justified. He wasn't raised until you were justified before God. The sin problem was dealt with. If you're a Christian today and you would say, my relationship with God isn't what it needs to be. No, no, you, you haven't lost your salvation. Your salvation will be intact throughout all of eternity. But your relationship with God has suffered. Why is it? It's not because he turned his back on you. But you've allowed something to come in between you and your father. So I have four things I want to tell you. Here's the first one. Resurrect. On resurrection day, resurrect your faith. Just resurrect your faith. You see, it's not what you believe that matters. But what you do with what you believe that makes all the difference. It's not what you believe that matters. A lot of people believe a lot of different things, but it's what you do with what you believe that matters. No kidding. In the book of Romans, speaking of, of Abraham, it says, as it is written, he said, I made you a father of many nations. What's written about you? That you're blessed, that you're well, that you're strong, that your family is intact, that you love your wife like Christ loves the church and your wife loves to be able to sit with you to hear how you want the family to be led. All these things are all true about you. But Abraham, he faced difficulty. His body was in trouble. He was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. Well, he was 99 and she was 89. But at the moment that God said to him, he said, you're the father of many nations. He said, this year I'll return and Sarah is going to have a child. And Sarah from behind laughed when she heard the Lord say those words. But yet in nine months, she was holding a baby boy because God spoke it. What has God spoken about you? Resurrect your faith. Don't walk away from the things that you've trusted and that you've desired, but resurrect your faith. Now's the time for you to resurrect the things that you've allowed to slip away. Resurrect your faith. It doesn't matter. You're not doing it anyway. Remember, in the book of John chapter 15, verse number five, Jesus said this. He said, remember this, for without me, you can do nothing. You can't do a thing. Don't think that you can. That's interesting. Now, number two, 
is resurrect your joy. Resurrect it. Resurrect your joy. Now, you think, well, some people I think are just silly. Well, no, wait a minute. Resurrect your joy. Today's resurrection day. Resurrect it. Here's a thought for you. Joy must be the attitude of choice long before you know the outcome of your circumstances. Joy needs to be the attitude of choice. It's what I choose. I choose joy. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 18, the Bible tells us these words. He said, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. In everything. He didn't say for everything. God, I want to thank you for cancer. God, I want to thank you for divorce. God, I want to thank you for back your bankruptcy. No, I'm thankful for the resurrection of my finances. I'm thankful for the resurrection of my home. I'm thankful for the resurrection of my body, that I will be well again. I'll be well again. I'll be well again. In James chapter 1, and if you remember that James was a half-brother of Jesus, and James was disappointed in the Jewish people after the death of his half-brother. And he begins to tell these Jews which believed on Jesus. He said, my brothers, he said, count it all joy when you fall into temptations of many kinds. He said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, your faith, that's the trying of your faith, it's not your trying, it's the trying of your faith, of what you believe, of what you affirm to be true. He said, the trying of your faith, it works patience, or it puts patience to work, it puts consistency to work, so that after you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise, you're going to get it. It's all going to come back to you. That's interesting. And First Peter, who could have been a horrible bully, yet he was a humble man in the end. In First Peter chapter 1, verse number 5, the Bible tells us, who are kept by the power of God through faith. Through faith. You're kept by the power of God through faith. Wow. You see, joy needs to be the attitude of choice. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 17. He said this, For our light affliction, these things we're going through, which are but for a moment, they work for us. They'll work for you while you don't look at the things which are seen. What you're going through is going to work for you if you don't look at the things that are seen, but you look at the things that are not seen because the things that are seen are temporary and subject to change. But the things which are not seen, they, friends, they're eternal. Then number three on resurrection day is resurrect your finances. God doesn't want any of his children poor. Jesus said the poor you'll have with you always, but not me and I'm in his family. Resurrect your finances. Never judge your life by the harvest you reap. 
but by the seeds you sow. Never judge your life by the harvest you reap. If I would have done that, I could just imagine Linda and me in a two-bedroom apartment that someone else had to pay for. But friends, that's not true. That's not true by a long shot. Never judge your life by the harvest that you reap, but always judge your life by the seeds you sow. Because when you need it, down the road, it's coming to you. Believe it. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 24, the Bible tells us, there's him that scatters and yet he increases more. But there's he that withholds more than he should and it will lead him to poverty. So what's that? People are out there just telling you, well, you know, you need to save, you need to do this, you need to, you know what, I understand you need to save. But you don't need to save more than you give. And there's a reason for that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6, the Apostle Paul said, but this I say, he that sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he that sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Friends, resurrect your finances. Just resurrect them. And then lastly, resurrect your peace. Today's Resurrection Day. It's a day for great celebration. Why? Because the tomb is empty. Your tomb is empty. Jesus did not come out of that tomb so that you could get so excited about this day. Jesus came out of that tomb on the third day so that you would experience the reason why he came out. Resurrect your peace. Here's your thought. If you're looking for peace, it cannot start until you first meet the Prince of Peace. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you acknowledged the one who came out of the grave today? Thank you for listening to this episode of The Just Godcast, where Dr. Rob brings you empowering insights and easy to understand takeaways that you can use to lead yourself, your family, and your team. We release episodes every Monday, so be sure to come back next week and be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.